Great uh, Grandpa John, 88 years old. Uh, we got to spend Christmas with him this year on my wife's side. And uh, he gave my kids the, the coolest uh, Christmas gift. It's, it's this little mini table that uh, is a pool table, and it converts into a ping pong table, and it converts into an ice hockey a table hockey game, and then it becomes a foosball table, and it's got putting green on it. I mean, it's really amazing. <laughs> and so one of the things that my older boy, Caleb, is uh, wanting to learn how to do is to play pool. And so we got into a match together, and, and we started to play, and uh, Dad was winning. And, um, and so Caleb was up, and he's ready to hit the ball. And... Um, as he went to hit the cue ball, uh, he just kind of skimmed it just to the left, and, and the, the ball just barely, barely moved. And he kind of looks up at me, and he's all, he's all, Dad, can I, can I have a do-over? And I said, no, son, because I'm winning. <laughs> no, of course I didn't say that. No, I gave him uh, that do-over, and I gave him many other do-overs. And I'm here to tell you this morning, in the beginning of 2007, that our loving God is the God who gives us many do-overs, gives us many opportunities as he loves to engage in life with us. He knows we're, we're desiring to walk in obedience, but he knows we fall short. And so do-overs are the full grace of God in our lives. There was a wee little man who is in Luke 19, whose name was Zacchaeus. And let me show you the do-over that God did in his life. As he entered Jericho and he was passing through, and there was a man called by the name of Zacchaeus. And he was a chief tax collector and he was rich. And Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was unable because of the crowd, for he was small in stature. And so he ran on ahead and he climbed into a sycamore tree in order to see him, for he was about to pass through that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up to him and he said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And so he hurried and he came down and he, and he received him gladly. And when they saw it, the crowd, they all began to grumble. Saying, he has gone to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. And we'll come back to the end of the story. Jesus encountered Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was changed forever. A heart that was open to God, a heart that wanted to see Jesus. And as he was repentant, and you see in just his actions, Lord, I want to, to give back, and I want to make right what I have wronged. 
I want to be one who is now clean and pure again. And Jesus stepped into his life and started to work a do-over for Zacchaeus, the wee little man. And you know what I want to do this morning is I, I want to, to take time with you as we begin this new year. And like Zacchaeus who said, and he wanted to see who Jesus was, I want to do that together. And I want to journey through the Gospels, primarily John and Luke, and, and see who Jesus was. And see what he had to offer us and give us a big picture that brings us to a place that we would all recognize that Jesus is the lover of our souls. And he is the giver of new beginnings, of new life, and a new name. You know, the Lord is is always doing a new work in our lives, isn't he? I think that's why the psalmist sing out and say, "Let let us sing a new song. Because life doesn't stand still for God. He's always working. And if you open your eyes, you will see what he's doing in your life and all around you. He is a God of new things. The scriptures remind us in Revelation 21, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And he said, I want you to write this down because my words are trustworthy and they are true. In Isaiah 43, the Lord speaks, Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. You see, I am doing a new thing, and now it springs up. Do you perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And as we desire to, in this new year of 2007, to to turn over a new leaf, to make New Year's resolutions. We want to change in some way. We want to start afresh. We all long for that. And so we commit, and we, we again, we, we make these, these statements of, I'm going to do better, and I want to strengthen here. I want to be a better husband. I, I want to love people better. And yet, unfortunately, we're overcome by old habits. We are taken over by our resolve is, is, is weakened. We forget our resolutions. And it truly is in this new year and as we celebrated the birth of Christ last week, it is only through the power of the Holy Spirit, it is only through the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ who leaves us the Holy Spirit to help us to walk this Christian life this life of obedience that we long to journey with in the Lord. It's only through him that we're able to keep these New Year's resolutions, have even the power to to try to live accordingly. And so this morning we want to see how Christ intervenes, changes us, enables us to have a new year, a happy new year in him. You know, during his life here on earth, I think one of the things that you know as you've studied the scriptures is that when he encountered people, he never left them the same person. They were changed. He affected them permanently. You may, as you encounter Jesus, become a dangerous enemy 
or a devout follower. But you were forever changed. And so as we journey to see who Jesus was, let's see his love for us in this new year. Nicodemus came out in the middle of the night. He was one of the top Pharisees, and he had been listening to Jesus in John chapter 3, and snuck out in the middle of the night because he knew there was something different about this man that he had encountered. And he didn't want the other Pharisees to know because maybe he would be rebuked, maybe even kicked out, maybe shamed for wanting to know what this man was and what he had to offer. And so in the middle of the night, he encounters Jesus. I can see that you are a prophet, he cries out. I can see you're different, and there's this hunger in Nicodemus. He doesn't even know what it is, but he knows there's more. He's been studying the scriptures all of his life. And Jesus responds to this man. Nicodemus, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again, unless he is born anew, unless he's born from above. And I want you to know, Nicodemus, that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Through me, Nicodemus, I didn't come to point the finger at you. I came to invite you into a relationship. And do you remember when Jesus died? And there was the body. And guess who showed up? Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. And Nicodemus brings a hundred pounds of myrrh and aloes to anoint the body to prepare it for burial. You don't think God changed Nicodemus' life forever? His encounter with Jesus? He was forever changed. And so Jesus continued his journey. And as he was headed on his way, he had to cross through Samaria in John chapter 4. And there happened to be this woman in the middle of the day gathering water at the well, which was known as Jacob's well. A shamed woman. A woman who nobody wanted to be in relationship with. A woman who had many husbands. A woman who in her community was set outside of camp. And Jesus shows up into her life and asks for a drink. Jesus, a man, encountering a woman. It was unheard of. You don't do it. But Jesus' heart broke for this woman. And he came and he offered her life and he offered her truth. And he said, dear woman, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But I tell you, whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
And this woman in her brokenness and in her hunger says, Oh, give me this water in which you speak of. And Jesus reveals that it's me. I am the one who is living water. I am the one that if you will receive me, will spring up within you and give you new life. And she was so excited about what God had done in her life, what Jesus had done for her. She runs into her village to all the Samaritans in her village and she says, I, I, I have to tell you, this man, Jesus, he, he knows everything about me. What she's really saying is, this man, Jesus, knows me to the core. He knows exactly what my life is all about. He has told me everything about me, and yet he poured out his love upon me, and he offered me life. And as she gave her testimony of how Jesus impacted her life, it says, many in that village in Samaria, they came to believe also in Jesus. And then eventually they came to her and said, Dear woman, not only do we believe because of what you've told us, but we believe because we also have encountered Jesus and we have heard for ourselves and we have come to the conclusion that he is Savior of the world. The giver of new life. The giver of new beginnings. The one who changes us Forever, who desires to give us life. The royal official son who was in charge and in control and had all authority. And his son was dying. And the Lord spoke into his heart and just spoke the words that your son is well. And he went back to his servants, and the servants said, Your son is well. And he said, When did it happen? And he said, The hour. And he said, It was at that very hour that Jesus spoke the words, Your son is well. And he came to believe. And he realized at the exact time that he said, Your son will live, he lived. And so his whole household believed upon Jesus Christ, put their faith in took a step towards the Savior of the world. And so Jesus continued his journey. And there was a man sitting by a pool who was paralyzed. And the hope was, if I could just get into the pool when it is stirred by the angel, then maybe I will be healed. If you're the first one in, there will be a touch upon your life. The truth of the matter was, he would never be the first one in, would he? Waiting, hoping for that which is honestly hopeless. He would never be healed. And Jesus comes in all of his brokenness and his hopelessness and says, Dear man, do you want to get well? And that's what he asks of you and I. Do you really want to be well? Do you really want to have new life? Then rise up. Pick up your mat 
you don't need it anymore, and go home. And he rose up, and he was made well. You see, Jesus is the author of new steps. He is the one who directs our paths. He is the one who allows us to walk, and he helps us to walk, because we can't walk on our own. That's the touch of Jesus in our lives. Do you want to see who he was like Zacchaeus? The blind man couldn't see who he was until Jesus came into his life. And as he showed up, he had been speaking of himself, that I am the light of the world. And the blind man longed to see that. And so Jesus takes some spittle and some dirt and mixes it up and places the clay on his eyes. And he says, go and wash. Go and be clean. And the blind man received sight. And just before that, the disciples were going, why is this man blind? Jesus, what's going on here? Was it his parents? Did they sin? Did did this man sin? He said, oh no, it's not either one of those. It's so that the works of God may be revealed on this day. That you may see that I am the giver of sight. That you may see that I am truly the Son of God. I want you to see me. I want you to know who I am. I want you to receive my love. And so Jesus kept on his journey. And he came to a funeral. It was four days too late. And it was one of his dearest friends, one of his closest buds on the earth, literally, Lazarus. He had died. And Jesus showed up, and Mary and Martha are angry, and they're confused, and they don't understand. Jesus, why why didn't you show up? Our brother was dying. Where have you been? If you'd only been here, Lord, he would have lived. And as they grieved, Jesus' heart broke. And he wept along with us. And then guess what? Come out, Lazarus. Come out from that place. And Lazarus rose up. And he came out. And Jesus didn't heal Lazarus to, to make Mary and Martha feel better. He healed Lazarus to show that he has victory over death. And he says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he who believes in me 
will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And that's what he asks of us. He always has a gentle touch, a compassionate heart. He knows we keep trying to hit the cue ball and we keep missing. You want to see who Jesus was? Then you follow his journey. I don't want us to forget in John 8, this woman thrown before him. Jesus, she is caught right in the middle of the act of adultery. Right at the exact moment we caught her and she deserves to be stoned to death. That's the right outcome. What do you say, Jesus? He who is without sin casts the first stone. And then he kneels down and he begins to write in the dirt. We never know exactly what he wrote. Could be words of love. Could be allowing his spirit to pour upon this dear woman who was broken and shamed beyond shamed. He says, dear woman, is there anyone left who condemns you? And she says, Lord, there is nobody left. And his response to this incredible sinner is, well, neither do I condemn you. But go now and sin no more. Go now and live in new life. Go now washed because of me. Go now forgiven. Do you want to see who Jesus was? This is our Lord that we live in the new life. He is the giver of hope. He is the giver of new life. He is the one who comes into our presence and changes us forever. He is the one who allows all of us to come to him. And he desires to come to us. In the Gospel of Luke, the one who was outcast, the one who hadn't received a touch for a very long time, full of leprosy. Jesus, I've come. He broke all the rules. He was outside of camp. He wasn't supposed to come in where people were. And yet he had to because he knew that there was something different about Jesus. If you are willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. You can heal me. And Jesus, the scriptures say, stretched out his hand. And he touched him the one who hadn't received touch from his wife or his children or anybody for many, many years. Jesus grabbed a hold of his hand and said, you are made well. You are clean. That's our Jesus. 
the one who gives us new life, the one who touches us. And they broke through the roof because they wanted to come in the presence of Jesus. Their, their friend had been paralyzed. And they thought, how can we get to this man? And so they, they come through the top of the ceiling. And they lower him down, and there he sits. And Jesus some, does something that is insane and you're not allowed to do. And he speaks with authority and he says, your sins are forgiven. Who can say this but the Son of Man? Who, who can speak these words but the Son of God? Which is easier for me to do? To have this man rise up and walk or to say, your sins are forgiven. I created all of you. Your physical bodies I can heal if I want. But your heart, I give you a choice. Your sins are forgiven. Rise up and walk with me and have life. And they left glorifying God, changed forever. The centurion who had full authority understand understood who Jesus was, and so he sends a servant and says, I know you're a man of authority, and I, I know all you have to do is say the word, and my servant who is dying will be healed. And so Jesus spoke the word. This centurion, this leader of men, was humbled and knew. He knew fully who Jesus was, and Jesus responded, not in all of Israel have I ever seen such great faith. This man has seen me for who I am. The Son of God. The author of new life. The one who brings life and hope and salvation into this world. And so the journey continued. And the widow of Nain, her, her only son had just died. And she was a widow. And so there are no men left in her life. And for a woman, that was a bad place to be. They usually ended up going hungry or selling their lives into prostitution. There wasn't many choices for them. And when Jesus came and encountered this widow, it says in the scriptures, he had incredible compassion for her. And he said, rise up, son. And her son rose up. And all who witnessed this work of God left rejoicing and glorifying God. Who has touched me? I felt the power leave me and go out. And again, the woman was one who was outside of camp. And with all shame and embarrassment, it was I, Lord. I am a woman of bleeding. I have not been well for many, many years. And so I touched you. He said, dear woman, your faith has made you well. And he kept on the journey, and Jairus' daughter, who was in, had died. 
He was actually on his way when the woman touched her, and, and, and everybody was wanting to encounter Jesus. And by the time he arrived, the little girl of 12 years old had died. And Jesus said, rise up, dear child. And he gave her life again. And all who encountered Jesus glorified the Lord. You want to see who Jesus is? Then we walk his journey with him. As we go into this new year, that he is the author of new life. That he is the one who touches us. He is the one who encounters us with love. He is the one who has authority. Demons, you are gone. The woman who was bent over and, and could not function, and it was done on the Sabbath, and they said, how can you do this on the Sabbath? He said, what's better? That, that we let this woman with demons be in the state, or that we would heal her and give her life on the Sabbath, which is better. And the answer is, of course, that she would be made well. And so the demons were cast out. And on the Sabbath, he goes, and the man with dropsy, he heals him on the Sabbath. Everybody's trying to accuse Jesus, the religious leaders, which is better, because I want you to know who I am. I am healer of this world. I am the one who came into broken lives. I'm the one who offers life. And after the demons were cast out, she began glorifying God. Now back to the wee little man. Today, Zacchaeus, salvation has come to this house. Because he too, Zacchaeus, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why I came. That's why I must have dinner with you. Because my whole purpose is to give you new life. To make you well. I came to give you hope. A future. I came to restore you, this broken world. That's who our Jesus is. And you know what, Cole Community Church? We too need to reflect that. We need to reflect the Lord of new beginnings. Which is, you know what? Man, we have messed up sometimes really bad. And sometimes it's us who don't allow people to have a fresh start. God's desiring and willing and is giving people a new beginning, and yet we're holding that work back. Because we're like those who were in the town with Zacchaeus, and it says, all complained. All grumbled. He's with a sinner. It wasn't just a few grumbled, the whole town. And that we would allow do-overs, new beginnings. He gives us new life, and you know what else he gives us? He gives us a new name. As we come and experience Christ Jesus, he changes us from within and he gives us a new name. Do you remember the old Cervantes story, Don Quixote, the man from La Mancha? You know, he was an incredible, crazy little man. He pictures himself as a, a wonderful knight 
And he goes forth and he, he wrongs, he writes the worlds of wrongs and he, and he rides in on his, really his armor is shabby and his horse is sagging and old. And in the story, he finds one that he is in love with. Don Quixote lived impossible dreams. And he encounters this fair lady who he calls Dulcinea. Dulcinea means sweetness. But you know what? She is far from a fair lady. She is a prostitute in the local tavern. And she says of herself, I am the most casual bride of the murderous scum of the earth. Her real name is Aldonza. And she resents Don Quixote's intrusion into her life, saying she's no kind of lady at all. And he says this to her. I see heaven, Dulcinea, when I see you. Her only response is, the only dream I see are dreams covered with rusty tin. He invades her life. And Don Quixote's family tries to bring him back to reality, and they succeed somewhat. And as he starts to realize truth of reality, his, his spirits and his dreams and his health start to fall apart. And Aldonza shows up at the hospital room, and she looks at him with grateful eyes. And she says, you looked at me, and you called me by another name, Dulcinea, sweetness. Aldonza had become a lady, renewed was her life by someone who dared to believe in her, by someone who saw who she really was and called her by a new name. You know what? It may seem that God is foolishly interfering into our lives, but he sees exactly who we are. He sees us right in the middle of our sin. He sees us full of mess. And he goes, but I see who you are and who you can become. And so I give you a new name. I give you a new start. Abram, as you trust me and as we covenant together, I give you a new name, Abraham, father of the multitudes. I know you thought it was impossible, but nothing is impossible with God. And so Abraham stepped out in faith and became father of the multitudes. And your wife, Sarai, will become Sarah, princess, noble woman, one who is valuable, one who has worth. He changes our name. Jacob, you dirty, rotten little scoundrel. Man, you have manipulated everything. You stole your brother's birthright. You have changed everything around. You're always scheming. Your name is deceiver and one who does trickery. But Jacob, come with me 
and wrestle. And Jacob does. He wants to encounter God. He wants to know him. He wants the blessing. And God touches his hip. And he makes a covenant with Jacob. And he says, Jacob, you now become Israel. You are the one who strives with God. You are prince of God. And you will become the father of the nations of Israel. I know who you really are. And I give you a new name. Peter, stop cutting off ears. Stop just jumping out at things and and getting so reckless. I know you denied me three times. I know you're impetuous. Wash me all the time. Don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me. Zealous, yet out of control. Simon, Simon, Simon. I call you Peter. You will be my rock. You will be the one who will be the foundation and the one who will help me to begin my church. You are the one who will stand up. You will rise up at Pentecost and you will speak forth who I am so that thousands may come to know my love for them. That's you, rock. So feed my sheep. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you hate me so much? Why are you on the road to Damascus to kill more of my followers? Saul, why? I have so much more and I know who you are. And he radically encounters Saul on the road to Damascus and he changes his life forever. And he gives him the name Paul. You know what Paul means? It means little one. Isn't that beautiful about Paul? Because that's exactly who he became. He was a great, great Pharisee, Sadducee. He led the religious people. He was zealous. I will become little. There is nothing through me, he says in 2 Corinthians. It is not anything of me. It is all of God. As he speaks new covenant to us. All glory to God. We are broken vessels. These earthen pots that are, that are broken so that this all-surpassing power of God may, may fill us and may shine through us to the world. That it's not about us that I may become little so that God is great and he is glorified. And he gives us a new name. Do you understand that Jesus walks this journey and he walks the same journey with us in our lives? We are part of this tapestry that he has woven in his life on earth. Each of us will have a new name. Those he called tax collectors that were called tax collectors by the world, he called disciples. Remember Levi, Matthew? Those scorned and immoral, he called forgiven. Those called sinners, he called companions and friends. 
Common fishermen he called fishers of men. To the thief on the cross, he looked over and said, I call you an heir to the kingdom of God. Today you shall be with me in eternity. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will also give him a white stone with a new name written on it. And it will be unknown only to him who receives it. God knows exactly who we are and exactly who we're going to become. And we have this wonderful name. I can't wait to find out what it is. But he will reveal it to us. He knows. In this new year of 2007, our Lord Jesus is the giver of new beginnings. He is the God of do-overs. And he gives us new life. And he gives us a new name. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled and thankful for your work in us. And we can do nothing but glorify you. Thank you, Father, that when we sin and when we fall short, you don't sit there and ridicule us and say, I can't believe you did that, but you, you let us have a do-over. And you forgive us as we, as we come to you and ask for forgiveness and you wash us, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that you are a God of second chances and a God of new life. And I thank you that you give us hope and eternity, that we will be new again, fully and completely in eternity with you as we receive you as our Lord and Savior. And so we thank you again for the birth of your Son, O Father. We thank you that, that Lord Jesus, that you paid the price for us. We thank you that you rose again and that you offer us life. Amen.